Oh, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, if you would turn to John chapter 21. John 21. Go and take a look at Jesus having breakfast on the beach. Wouldn't you like to be able to do that? Wouldn't you be able to like to have breakfast on the beach with Jesus? <laughs> you don't think so? Yeah. Good point. <laughs> yeah, that might not mix too well. <laughs> but the view would be nice, especially being able to have it with our Savior. And uh, before we get there, let's go to our Father in a word of prayer as we get ready to break His bread this morning. Father, we want to thank you so much for this beautiful day that you've blessed us with, that we can all assemble here to worship you in spirit and in truth. And Father, as we get ready to open up your word of truth, your word that you said in the Psalms, that you have placed nothing else above it. You have placed your word above you. And so, Father, your word is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it pierces to the dividing of the sunder of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. And it's a critic of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. And Father, as we prepare our hearts this morning for worship to you, we pray that you will open our eyes and our ears and our minds so that we can understand this. And I pray, Father, that you will anoint your word this morning with everyone so that it will go in, soak in, and that we can realize the love that you have for us, Father, and what you did. And at this moment, I also want to, in special prayer, Bruce's mother, Louise, I'd like to lift her up before you. She has hospice come in, and the family is struggling with that. And, Father, we just pray that you would be with her in tender care. We thank you for bringing Leah back to us today, Father. She's been absent for quite a while, and, and we thank you for giving her back her health and also for a grandmother named Robin who has Piper and... Um, her son has had a had a problem where it was overdosed, and Father, we just pray that you would be with that family as well as they're going through their things, and and everything's tough, Father, and this life can be tough, and Satan wants to sift us all like wheat, and we're going to look at that today on how you love us, though, through those rough patches, Father, and we pray that you will be with us as we study this in Jesus' name, amen. John. Chapter 21. Starting in verse 1, it says that afterwards Jesus appeared to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. Now, I like what it says. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were there together, it says. And then it says that Peter said, I go to fish. And they all said that we're coming with you. So they got on the boat that night, but they caught no fishes. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did... They were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when he said that, Peter said, I realize it is. And he wrapped his outer garment around him and he jumped into the water 
The other disciples followed in the boat, and they were towing the net full of fish. They were about a hundred yards away from the shore. And when they landed, they saw a fire there of burning coals with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have caught up here. So Peter climbed into the boat, and he dragged the net ashore, and it was full of large fish. Actually, it was numbered this time. It said that there was 153. But even with so many, it says that the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, Come, have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. And then Jesus came and he took some of the bread and he gave it to them and he did so with the fish as well. Now this is the third time that Jesus has appeared to his disciples since he had rose from the dead. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus then said, well, then feed my lambs. Again, Jesus asked him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Take care of my sheep, then, he said. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And this time it says that Peter was hurt. Because Jesus had asked him now the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you that when you were a younger man, you dressed yourself, you went where you wanted to go. But I'm going to tell you that when you're old, somebody else, you're going to stretch forth your hands. And somebody else is going to dress you. And they're going to lead you to where you don't want to go. And it says in verse 19 that he told him this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to Peter, follow me. Have you ever had a rough patch in life? You ever had a rough patch? Maybe it lasted for a few days. Maybe it lasted a few weeks. And maybe your rough patch has lasted for a long time. It's what we're going to look at today because Peter has just come through a rough patch whenever we get to here. You ever been to where you don't know which road you want to take, even who you are or what you're supposed to do? Well, the answer was Jesus said, follow me. For you see, we thought we finished the Jesus story last week, didn't we? With the death and the burial and the resurrection. But we just thought we finished it because Jesus had unfinished business to take care of. He had a disciple that was hurting very badly. He had self-perceived failure, disappointment, guilt, and an anxiety over that. Jesus couldn't go until he took care of his unfinished business with the folks that he was leaving behind. We're going to see that he made it a big deal to come back and to talk to Peter. Peter, along with his brother Andrew and James and John, have been with Jesus 
for the longest of times. They were first introduced in John and Mark chapter 1. At that time, he was only known as Simon. Simon. There were many disciples that followed him at first, but in Luke chapter 6, we see that Jesus went on a mountainside and he prayed all night. He prayed so that they would know which disciples it were that he wanted to pick. And when the morning came, it says that he called all of the disciples to him, and then he chose from them twelve to be also his apostles, the ones sent. And then it says the first one there was Simon, also named Peter in Luke 6.14. I want you to know that it says also named Peter. It doesn't say he changed his name. It says he also called him Simon Peter. And you know from that point forward, sometimes he's called Simon, sometimes he's called Peter, and sometimes he's called Simon Peter. And there's a reason why. You know, it's, it's a subtle reminder of who and what he wanted him to be because when he named him Peter, he called him the rock. It means a stone about hand size, one that you could throw but carries some weight. That's a pretty heavy little stone. But what it was, he wanted him to be a chip off the block. He gave him a name of what he wanted him to become in life, what he wanted him to shoot for. And you say, why did he do that? Well, I'll give you another example. I don't know how many of you have followed baseball in the past, but the Los Angeles Dodgers had a famous manager that everyone loved. His name was Tommy Lasorda. And Tommy Lasorda was a great people person. And in the minor leagues, they had drafted this young pitcher. Oh, he was a tall drink of water, but that's all he was. He was skinny. He had all of the tools to make it in the big leagues, but he lacked one thing, tenacity. He would get up there, and he was just a meek and mild person. And so you know what Lasorda did one day? He went out there on the mound when he'd just gotten bombarded by three or four batters in a row. And it says that Lasorda went up there on the mound and just chewed him up one side and down the other. One of the players later recalled that that was the second sermon on the mound. (laughs) And he just lit him up. But you know what he did right there? He goes... I am going to nickname you Bulldog because I want you to act like a bulldog when you're up here and not let everybody just run over you. He gave him a nickname that he wanted him to live up to then and he started calling him by that afterwards. Get him, Bulldog. Sick him. Get after him. Bear down. And that young man named Oral Hershiser went on to become one of the most tenacious competitors on the mound he won the Cy Young award he won the most valuable player of the World Series in the playoffs he's going to be a and he's a Hall of Famer because his coach believed in him and gave him a nickname that he wanted to live up to that's what Jesus did with Simon he also called him Peter I want you to be a rock I want you to be something I see something in you that you can become And that's what I want you to be. But then, I'm reminded that most of the time, he has to call him Simon. He has to chide him a little bit of when he's straying away and going back into his old life a little bit, he will call him Simon on those occasions. 
to kind of remind him of the direction that he has to go to. I remember one time in Luke 5 that they were gathered around and Jesus was preaching to the people and he was by the Sea of Gennesaret. And the boats were there empty and the people were pressing up on him. So he jumps up into the boat and he starts teaching. And afterwards, he tells Peter, go out for a little drop. Go into deep water. When he got to deep water, he said, let down your nets. Peter said, Lord, we fished all night. We didn't catch anything. But because you are asking me of this, I will go ahead and let them down to show you and prove to you. And it says that when he started to bring the nets back up, he couldn't bring it up because of the weight of the fish and the nets were breaking. And he signaled for James and John as partners and they brought their boat over and both boats were about to sink. Do you remember the reaction of Jesus at that time? It says that he got down on his knees in front of him. And it says that he told him, Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. He was exposed. And Jesus said to him, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to fish for people. And as we get to the end of this, I want you to remember that. From now on, you will fish for people whenever we get ready to close this thing up. It's been a rough couple of weeks, though, for Peter now as we fast forward a little bit. He's had a rough time. You know, it all began that night at the betrayal of the Passover. We studied that the last couple of weeks. That night, he came and Jesus was talking to him. As he instituted the Lord's Supper and was breaking the bread and passing the cup to tell them of the new covenant that he was making with them and what his death was going to bring, you know what they were doing? Arguing about who was going to be the greatest among them. And at that point, Jesus looks over and he says, not to Peter, but notice he says to Simon. And he said in Luke 22, chapter 22, verse 31, he says, Simon, Simon, and Peter knows he's getting it now. He's been with him long enough to know that when he says Simon, he's chiding me. And he says, Simon, Simon, I'm going to give you a little secret. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, so that after you fall, your faith fails not. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Then look what he replies. He said, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and even unto death. And with that, he changes his name. Oh, you made a bold comment back, huh? Well, Simon, I'm going to call you Peter this time because that's what I hope you will become. And he said, Peter, this night's not going to pass until you've denied me three times before the rooster will crow. So you think you can stand the heat in the kitchen, do you, Peter? Think so? Well, you're going to be running from the kitchen before the night is over. And a little later, Jesus goes into the Garden of Gethsemane. And he goes there to pray. And he asks him, will you watch with me for one hour while I go to pray? And when he comes back, what does he find? He finds him sleeping. And in Mark 14 and verse 37, he says to him, Simon, not to Peter, he says, Simon. Are you asleep? Couldn't you even watch one hour with me? Simon, not Peter. I'll bet that makes him cringe a little bit every time Jesus called him Simon. Yeah, but it's been a rough couple of weeks. 
He's hit a rough patch in life, and he's hurting. Jesus has told him that Satan is desiring to sift you like wheat. And I'm going to tell you something. If Satan gets the opportunity to sift you like wheat, you're going to have a rough patch of time. It's not going to be very easy. He's going to run you through the mill, and sure enough, that night, Jesus is taken captive. They lead him to the house of the high priest. And in Luke 22 and following, 54 and following, it says that Peter followed along at a distance. They had kindled a fire in the courtyard, and Peter gathers around that fire to warm himself. And while he was sitting there, a servant girl looked over at him and said, Hey, you, you're one of them. I saw you out there. And he says, Woman, I do not know him. I don't know what you're talking about. A little bit later, another one says, yes, he was there. And he says, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know him. About an hour after that, the third one asserted that, yes, you were there, for you are a Galilean, and I know that that was you. And he says, man, I wasn't there. I don't even know him. And at that point, the rooster crowed. And I want you to look what it says in verse 61. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And Peter remembered the words that the Lord had spoken. Man, can you imagine that? Can you imagine be standing there and you have just denied him for the third time and all of a sudden a rooster crows and you look and the Lord stares straight at you. Straight at you in the eyes. You know what his reaction was? He remembered at that moment that he had denied him. And it says he went out and he wept bitterly. Oh, Satan's going to sift you like wheat. He's going to give you a rough patch in life. And it has been rough. He's been sifted. He's been tormented. He's been tortured. The guilt, the shame that he felt for what he had did. And he couldn't hardly pick himself back up. But I want you today to see the compassion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on what he did through that. After he looked over straight in the eyes, you know what he saw? He saw Peter's eyes get about this big when he realized what he had just done and his Lord was looking right at him. And so he's got unfinished business that he's going to do. He's not going to let Peter go like that. He's going to come back and talk to him. He saw him run out in embarrassment and in tears. And so he's going to leave special word back for Peter. It says that on the tomb of that morning of the resurrection day, that whenever the women arrived, Mark 16, verses 6 and 7 says that the angel said, Don't be alarmed to them. You came here looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified, but he is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go. And I want you to look at the next sentence. Go, tell his disciples and Peter that I will meet them in Galilee. Tell the disciples and Peter. He singles him out. He wants Peter to know, I love you and I am going to promise to meet you in Galilee if you will continue to be following in me. Somehow that angel knew to make special reference to that. Word had been given down. And then back to John 21, if you're still there in our text this morning. John 21 all of this sets the scene for the breakfast on the beach with Jesus. It's been a rough patch. 
Peter is the fidgety kind. He doesn't have patience. He can't stand it any longer. He says, I give. I'm going back. He tells the other ones, he says, I am going to get ready to go fishing. And the other six tags along. They said, we're going to go with you too. And I'm amused by the list of the master's men. Have you ever thought about the list of the master's men who was given this great task of the gospel? I want you to look up there. First of all, you have Simon, Peter. Oh yeah, he's the one that just denied him three times in the heat of the battle, wasn't it? Who's second? It says second is Thomas, called Didymus. You remember him? They also later called him Doubting Thomas with us. His name came down to be. So now you have the one who denied him three times. Second, you've got the great denier and doubter. I will not believe unless I can see it and feel it myself. Who's third on the list? Nathaniel. Ooh. You remember Nathaniel whenever he was introduced to Christ? Philip went to him. He was sitting under a tree. And he says, we've found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He is a cynical denier. That's the first three. Who's the next two? The sons of Zebedee was there. You remember them? They got a nickname as well. They're hotheads. So Jesus nicknamed them sons of thunder. You remember whenever they were coming through Samaria to go to the cross, they didn't receive them in a village, and they said, Can we fry them, Lord? Can we pray for fire to come down and rain upon them, and we're just going to take them out and make them crispy critters? And he says, No, I don't think that that's what we're about. So look at the first five people there, and then it says two more unnamed people this doesn't look like a list of the master's men it or the who's who of jerusalem it looks more like if you go to the post office and start flipping through the most wanted doesn't it this isn't who you would think that you would entrust the gospel message to the entire world with but this is exactly what jesus did so the leader of this ragamuffin band Simon called Peter, is right now depressed. He's upset. He's left. He's given up. He says, I'm going to go back to my old way of life. I'm going fishing. And they said, we're going with you. This whole band of ragamuffins then go out on the boat. And this time, whenever they got out there, it says, Peter fished all night again. And he caught no fishes. Jesus, the last time you'll remember, was on board of the boat. One time in John 6, he walks out to their boat. But this time, he's on the shore. So we see Jesus three different times in three different areas on the boat. You know why he wasn't walking out on the boat to him? You know why he wasn't already in the boat? Because they had left him. The first two times, they were where they were supposed to be in their spiritual growth and in the plan that Jesus had for them. They were where they were supposed to be, so he was in the boat, and he walked to them on the boat, but this time, they had left where they were supposed to be. He said, go to Galilee, and I will meet you there. They went on their own path, so he, they had left him on the shore of Galilee. And so he calls to them from where they had left him. This time. And he calls out to them. 
And he says, not friends. I want you to know that the word there in the original language, pahidihan, it means little child in training. It means someone between the ages of four and eight or nine that you're trying to train and get to go the right way. So friends is not a very good translation. It's my little kids who are in training, have, you haven't caught any fish, have you? You see, he already knew, didn't he? He knew that they hadn't any fish. Bet they were irritated, calling them kids, mocking that they didn't have any fish. Bet they didn't like to have to answer back, no, we haven't caught any. How about you? How is your luck going since you've left Jesus on shore? Every time you leave Jesus back on the shore, it seems like you fish all night and you catch no fish. So, Jesus gives them a clue of what to do. He says, throw your nets, if you're still following along, to the right side of the boat. Friends, I don't know where you're at in your boat. But if you're not on the right side of the boat, you're either on the left side or the other side or the wrong side. Whatever you want to call it. But Jesus is gently telling them to get to the right side of the boat. That voice says that when you do, you're going to find the blessings that I have in store with you. And they threw it down and they pulled up the nets and they couldn't pull the net up because of all the fish. You remember the last time that happened. So John automatically is reminded of this whole scene and he leans over to Peter and he says, it's the Lord. He realizes that it was and he jumps into the water and he starts swimming to shore. Don't you know how good that felt to him? You know why I think he jumped in and said, you guys can pull the boat in if you want to. I'm going now. I think at that moment, the same way that he looked at Jesus when he denied him and felt the guilt, I think this time he feels the love and the promise. My Lord promised me he was coming to Galilee, but I left the shore. But he has fulfilled the promise he came back for me even though i left him and he couldn't wait then to jump back and go in he realized at that moment how much he loved him and he kept his promise to him and he comes back in and then it says jesus had breakfast ready for them on the beach peter gets there and you know what he sees verse 9 he saw a fire of coals burning there with fish on it do you remember the last time Peter was around a fire of coals? It was that betrayal night when he warmed himself around the coals and he denied the Lord three times. I think the Lord's giving him a subtle reminder with fish on the coals that you asked for forgiveness. Quit beating yourself up over it. Quit taking your boat out and leaving me. I forgive you. John 1, 1 John 1 verse 9 says that if you will ask for forgiveness of your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of those and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Quit beating yourself up over it. Quit getting on the boat and getting on the left side and leaving me on the shore. I have forgiven you. Look at my peace offering I've got here ready for you as you get there. 
Last time Peter was on the boat and said, I'm a sinful man. You remember what the Lord said? Told you to remember it when we came back. From now on, you will be fishers of men. They had left and went back fishing for, well, fish. They left and went back to the old way of life. Thank God we serve a Lord that says, from now on. I don't care how many times you've left him back on shore, and I don't care where you are in your boat today. You serve a Lord that is ready to forgive you, and he says each time, from now on. Put it behind you. From now on, you're going to fish for men again. And that's what he perceived from this, having breakfast on the beach. And then, Jesus opens the dialogue up with Peter because it looks like it had been kind of a slow thing because the people were afraid to ask him, Who are you? So he opens up the dialogue to Peter and he says this to him in verse 15. He said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon, not Peter, the rock, but Simon says, Lord, you know that I love you. See, it was decision time again. Do you love me? Are you ready? Do you love fishing for these more than you love fishing for me? And he says, you know that it is you that I love. I've, I've made that clear to you. Now, this goes on back and forth three times. And each time, those six words for love, we have the English word love. But that's not, that's not what's going on in the Greek. The Greeks have more words for love so that you can understand what exact type love it is. There's a word called eros, where we get erotic. So that's a sexual type love. There's agapao, or agape, a lot of people will say, oh, that's the godly love. That's what's used in John 3.16. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But that love is a mental attitude love of wanting the best for someone. It's not necessarily just a godly type love. Because if you go down a couple more verses in John chapter 3 and verse 19, it says, but men agapao or love darkness rather than the light. So this is just one that is a mental attitude love that wants the best for whatever situation you're in. It's kind of like when you see a complete stranger on TV that's going through something bad or a child over in a foreign country that needs food and your heart is moved with love to donate something for that. That is agapao. You don't know them, but you want their best interests, so you... You are moved with that. That's that type of love. That's the word that Jesus uses the first two times when he says, Simon, do you love me? Generic. He replies back with the third word for love. Peter replied all three times with phileo. Phileo is a brotherly love. It's an intimate love. Our city of Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. That's where they get that from, from the Greek word phileo. And phileo means that I know you, I know who you are, and I love you for who you are. And we have communion together, and we have camaraderie. So that is a closer love. 
So Jesus says, now as you see this conversation going back and forth, you know why in a minute he gets upset. Because Jesus says, do you agapao me? Just general love. He says, Lord, I phileo you. I've been with you for three years, and I'm sorry, and I love you, and I want to have close relationship with you. He said, okay, feed my lambs. Simon, do you agapao me? Lord, I phileo you. I love you as my brother. Take care of the sheep. Then it says he told him a third time, but this time Jesus changes up. And he finally says, do you really phileo me? And he's upset. He's hurt. And he says, Lord, you're my God. And you know everything that there is about me. And you know from the bottom of my heart that I phileo you, that I love you. And he says, then take care of my sheep. And because you have made that confession, because I believe this time that you love me that much and that you're not going to reject me again, I'm going to tell you something. Peter, you're going to be my rock. And you are going to follow in my steps. You know what? When you was young, you're a vigorous young man and you was able to do anything you want to. But as you get older, you're not going to be able to And somebody's going to dress you and somebody's going to lead you where you don't want to go. And your hands are going to stretch forth. And it says in verse 19 that he said this so that it would signify what type of death that Peter was going to die that would glorify God. And then he said, follow me, follow me. And you know what, folks, it was that calling of Jesus that morning with breakfast on the beach that got Peter to be able to focus upon who and what he was and what the Lord had called him to do, to be my rock. You can do it. And he's saying that to each one of us. I have called you. I'm calling you there from that beach. You can be the rock, but you follow me. And as our worship team makes their way on back up, I want you to know just how far Peter did Follow him in his life and how he fulfilled verse 19 in his death. He said, you truly will follow me. And you're going to go where you don't want to go. Then indeed in death, it's recorded by many historians. There's a lot of history recorded on the death of Peter. I'm going to quote from two of them. Clement from around 90 A.D., and then Eusebius, a church father. Clement says that indeed he glorified the Lord in his death, but not only him, his wife as well, because it says that whenever Peter was ready to be crucified, that they also took his wife, and that was part of the punishment that they liked to do. If you were married, they would take your wife first, And they crucified her first before his eyes to inflict that much more pain upon him. And it says that Peter called out to his wife by name and said to her, Remember the Lord as they led her away. And then it says that they took Peter and led him to the place that he didn't want to go. 
And he begged him and said, I'm not worthy to die the same way that my Lord did. And it says that the Roman soldiers said, well, we can make some pretty good sport of you. We'll crucify you upside down. And so Peter was put upon his own cross, just as he said, and his hands were stretched out. And they crucified him upside down, and he glorified the Lord in death. And I think Peter's life then can be summed up by the last recorded words that he ever left with us. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 when he said, Grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Man, how much Peter has grown from my little boys in training, have you caught any fish? To crucified upside down on a cross because he didn't feel worthy to be done the same way that his Lord was. Lord called to him in grace that night from the shore and he answered that call. The Lord's calling to each one of us in grace today too. His love is everlasting. His mercy is seeking us and he calls to us. Life is about getting sifted like wheat but not staying down, but getting back up and growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I hope that you're able to do that today as well as we bow for a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your word. It is alive and powerful. Father, may it penetrate to our hearts this day. And may each one of us know that just like Peter Every time we slip, every time we go back to being Simon and not Peter, that you are still there calling our name and saying, follow me. I have the words of eternal life and I will give you the strength to become my rock. And Father, whoever is here that is hurting today, whoever is here is needful today, or the next time those of us who are not in that position, but we will be sifted, we pray that your grace and your mercy will be there and we will hear you calling our name. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.